When my telephone rang, it jerked me out of one nightmare and right into the middle of another. Where Sean Windsor and Mark Fellhauer met with fear and fury in the dead of night. From the pen of Al Howrick, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character as the Red Shovel Network presents The Adventures of ML Soul of Detroit. And now, with Gerald Moore, starred as M.L. Eric, we bring you tonight's exciting story, The Friend from Detroit. You asked it around, you're too much right my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You are qualified, MLS. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now? Hey, kids, it's your old pal, ML Elric. And I say old because we've been doing this for a long time. This is our 200th episode. We started this show four years ago. End of March in 2019, we had a brief hiatus because uh, a certain uh, broadcasting genius thought that maybe he knew how to do podcasting better and wanted to do it a different way. We, of course, know nothing about what we're doing, but somehow we're still doing it, and the genius is nowhere to be found, but that's okay because we're surrounded by geniuses. There's our friend and co-host Mark Fellhauer who's producing and helping keep this thing on the tracks. And then there's a certain wayward soul who sometimes <laughs> comes in here to stay dry and, and out of the cold. Uh, By the way, is that, is that intro go. your way of Angel Reese sort of pointing at a ring saying, <laughs> I mean, is that what's going on here? Uh, I told you so. I was right. Look at us. Well, here we are, 200 episodes in, and uh, to heck with you losers. If, if this is the champion... That's kind of what you're saying, right? <laughs> if this is a championship, this would be the uh, definition of a Pyrrhic victory. But no, I... I, <laughs> I, I let's put it this why way. Why say empty? At least... Uh, well, that's why we, we have you to translate, because, you know, people in Ann Arbor, they don't like to put on airs. They like to just talk in plain language. Well, some of them do. Some of them do, um, but no, it, it, that would that would imply that this this genius was uh, of uh, semi semi uh, second place silver medal quality, and I think the facts are that that no, he's not of silver medal quality. But we can get into a little bit of my history at Fox because we're going to be talking about a topic that I think you may have heard about on Drew and Mike yesterday, how the power company um, didn't appreciate this show too much and may have been the beginning of the end in certain realms, but we have a lot to talk about with the power out because we are always surging with energy here at the, uh, at the soul of Detroit. Right, Sean? Yes. Thanks, Sean. Are you, um, okay, are you okay, by the way? I saw you almost die right there. I hope it wasn't that. Wait, they weren't happy with I this? Hope it are you saying that? that? What's that? Is that based on fact, or is that just based on your sense of yourself? Right. DTE about uh, I don't know. Is this is this news to you? Was not happy with an episode we did where we talked no, about. No, I remember the that. I'm saying you was know, it, was you know, it it's again? changed since then. The 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 grid is not more reliable. That's yeah. That hasn't changed. No, I just didn't know if you got feedback because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know if you got more feedback uh, from my employers at Fox. No, that I they were been. even unhappier. No DTE. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, is, it, is, is, is this uh, is this no. part of our hiring people with special needs program here? Oh, no, that's What's fine. That? No, no, no. Keep relating to stuff a few years ago. That's good. But it, it relates to today. Yeah, uh, 
with our special guest. We should probably just get into. Yeah. So, so just just for the fo- for the for the benefit of people who have been here all along, uh, we did talk about how unreliable DTE was. DTE was not happy. They made some inquiries at Fox, and I think that was the beginning of the end of this show's uh, approval by the Fox News Network. So the status of this show's relationship with Fox 2 changed. The reliability of the grid has not, which is why we're joined by Keith Matheny of the Detroit Free Press, who wrote brilliantly and at length right after the latest power shortage. I think he probably had to run his laptop off a generator about how DTE and consumers are among the least reliable power companies in the country and that when your power goes out it tends to be out longer in Michigan than in any other state in the country so Keith is going to talk to us about that he also did a, a another fantastic story last month about the chemicals rolling through Michigan on the tracks and that's a topic that everybody in the country's been worried about because of the derailment in Ohio so hopefully we'll remember to ask Keith a little bit about that and if you have any noxious gases left over if I could have just like a small vial to share with Sean after the show, that would be much appreciated. Maybe something. I knew you could see that coming a mile you know, away. Just, you know, just a little, just a little, a little, oh. little taste, just to wet his beak. You knew that was so uh, sulfuric acid. What have they got? You know, I'm not, it doesn't have to be anything special. And uh, we're joined also by Max Prokop, who is uh, a lawyer extraordinaire. <laughs> which is it's impressive to think about a man as talented with uh, the Juris Doctor stuff being his second quality because he's more talented as a musician and a songwriter and a musician. And he has once again provided us with a new piece of music to celebrate this milestone. We will be hearing it later. He said, uh, it's called, I got to save you. Uh, Sean may say, I got to go to the bathroom when it's playing because he does like to have his own exit music. No, not during that, not during his music. But it's, uh, it's pretty, during your music. Well, pretty good we stuff. finally found something on the show Sean enjoys. That's good. That's right. He likes music. Finally. He does like music. Yeah, just Max. Why do you think I don't like this show? He, he likes Oh, maybe because uh, everything you say about it on the air. Yeah, the, he loves the Talking Heads and uh, Wilco. Wilco? Not so fond of Wilco? It's fine, yeah. Uh, apologies to the boys from Wilco. But we'll also talk a little bit about my latest column, Nepotism is Alive and Well in Detroit City Hall. We've heard from some of our listeners about that. And uh, and Trump is being arraigned probably as you're listening to this show or shortly before uh, you tuned into this show. You will not see his mugshot. And that's part of a policy that the feds have that the free press has challenged here in Detroit. We've challenged it unsuccessfully. It's a ludicrous policy. And we'll talk a little bit about that later today in the show. But first, we want to thank the people who make this show possible. That's Luke Nowacki of Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, David Hall of Hall Financial, and the good people at the Cadu Cafe will be telling you more about how they can save you money and show you a good time as we dive into the show. But, uh, but now it's time to introduce our big star of the day, Mr. Keith Matheny. You are... The guest for our 200th episode, does, does the weight of that in any way affect you? I mean, are you, are you having performance anxiety because we didn't just invite any old buster on here for our, for our 200th show? So the, on the one hand, I'm kind of feeling that. But on the other hand, I'm thinking it took you 200 episodes before you finally re- had to resort to putting me on. 
Uh, so. Well, I'm hoping to get you in trouble with your bosses now. Oh, I see. We're talking about DTE. So. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. So, welcome. And, uh, and please, prepare your resume. Uh, so, I've been the uh, Great Lakes and Environment reporter at the Free Press for 10 years now. I, I hit 10 years this year. So, um, covering a variety of different things. And uh, occasionally, our beloved state utilities, uh, D- DTE and Consumers Energy, which basically provide power to what a good 90 percent of the state and uh, i guess when i said prepare your resume i meant when they come after you you may need to go work elsewhere. oh I, I see i think well, the free press will probably stand a little stronger against uh, the power company it's nice though. to know i'm not the only one that uh, misunderstands here though no i got the joke i'm just glad keith went the way he went yeah no he's taken to a higher plane <laughs> it, it, you always wonder if you uh write something unflattering about the power company they obviously know where you live and you yeah. know, they have switches and but that has not happened. I want to emphasize that has not happened. I have not had any unexplainable blackouts since I wrote anything. No, recently. in fact, I would think your power is the last one they're going to cut, right? Because you're going to be like, <laughs> time for a follow-up. <laughs> I suppose. What kind of feedback have you gotten on this story? It's it's very extensive. It's very well-researched. I mean, have you heard from heads of DT that's like that's trying to challenge it or from the Citizens Board? or? I, I was a little bit surprised uh, that the utilities did not really challenge it because one of the interesting dynamics was right after we published they had hearings yeah uh, i think they had a house state house hearing and then a state uh senate hearing and they basically said yeah we're working on it you know then talked about the different factors that are going on and the things that they're doing but in no way did they say this just isn't true we're we're not you know, bottom five in the country. But that's their MO. Uh, their MO is to, oh, yeah, no, we know, um, and we're working on it. And then everyone forgets until the power goes out again. But it's been happening so often, over and over and over, that people are just fed up now. Well, he- here's what Keith wrote. Michigan's two largest electricity providers, DTE and Consumers Energy, are among the worst performing utilities in the country at how long it takes them to get the lights back on after a power outage a review of reliability data shows. Despite that, Michiganders pay more for electricity than their neighbors around the Great Lakes. Damn. I mean, those two paragraphs alone are, that's the last thing I'd want anybody to say about me, that I'm worse than anybody else, and I charge you more for sucking. So so DTE and consumers are not remarkable for the number of power outages they have they're sort of middle of the pack when it comes to that it's how long it takes them to restore power and it's been a chronic problem uh, a decade or more really um so it makes you wonder if you're having the same problem year after year why why doesn't it change um it's one of those deals where they can go you know if they're talking to someone like me or if they're talking to someone like the regulators they can list off their litany of well we're doing this we're doing that we've cut x thousand miles of trees but you just kind of take a step back and say well then why isn't the power better why Why isn't the reliability quicker and they'll say well it is where we've done it well why don't you do it in more places you know why isn't someone making you do it in more places well it's been three years since we talked about this on this show and it doesn't seem to have gotten any better and the reply from the power company and and correct me if i'm wrong but they basically just say the weather in michigan blows and they're actually not wrong about that uh, so there there's a lot of scientific evidence that our storms are getting more extreme uh in the winter in the spring sometimes in the summer um i i think i counted 
since July 2019, there have been four power outages in the state where more than 450,000 people were without power for multiple days since July 2019. And of course, if you go from those big numbers to say 100,000 people, there have been way more of those. 50,000, way more of those. So there is something going on with our weather. But one of the interesting things about looking at the, the data across the country well, Ohio kind of has our weather. Wisconsin kind of has our weather, you know. Minnesota, Indiana, Minnesota. Similar, yeah. So you, you can sort of get close to apples and apples as you're doing those comparisons. And they're just at the bottom when it comes to restoring power after an outage. Why? Or near the bottom. Why? I mean, what, what do you think it is? Do you have an opinion as to why they're so bad at getting the power going again? Is it, our, is it a way our grid is set up? Is it just how the organizational structures of the companies are set up? There seems to be a few different things. And if, if you talk to the utilities, they'll, they'll tell you certain things. If you talk to people who kind of observe or critique the utilities, they'll tell you some of the same things or different things. One of the things they talk about is we have a very old transmission system we were one of the first places anywhere to have electricity you know for our cities so when you look at a newer city they're going to have more automation kind of built into their grid and what automation does is if you have a power outage in a certain area you can isolate it and kind of so divert power around okay. it okay. we still have the domino effects okay. but yet again you ask okay how long Fix have it. we known about that yeah, Why, you know it. you've been getting Quite a bit of money for many, many years. So why won't they fix it? Is it just uh, it just costs them too much? They say that they are fixing it, and and they will point to well, the, the the regulators have to give us, you know, they have to decide that they approve of what we're doing, and um, you know, we have this amount of money earmarked towards you know putting more automation on our power poles. Um, they're they're doing a little bit more on putting lines underground, particularly the line from your power pole to your house. Oh, yeah. Which is useful, yeah. Because when you look at what it, what is really causing all of these outages, well, it's tree fall and branches. When the wind blows, when there's ice, the branches break. They hit the lines, they knock them out. So I, I live in Berkeley, and there's a lot of old trees there, and we used to lose power all the time. They came through, trim the trees like they say they do, put new lines in, and thankfully, you know, have had very few outages. But my thought is, well, these trees are still growing. So at what point are you going to come back? And what is what is this rotation you're on? Because trees grow when you don't cut them. I mean, they, they could spend more on cutting the trees if that's their simple solution for it. Right. If your problem is tree fall, you know, uh, DTE talks about this surge they did after the bad uh, yeah, summer of 2021 that. storms where we had a couple of these giant multi-day outages they said we're going to do a surge on our tree trimming and they did they spent i think 90 million more than the but it's after the problem do it right? before the problem and, and 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 the point is well if that's if if you're only getting this percentage of of improvement from the areas you've cut why don't you spend yeah. many more you know millions of dollars to do it in more places do you faster? know do you know off the top of your head what they spend on tree trimming it's, it's a lot. It's somewhere in the vicinity of about $170 million. And then they did this surge to add about $70 million more. Um, and But they've got a vast area. So And it's sort of like painting the Mackinac Bridge, right? When you're done, you have to turn Start around and do it here. again. Um, I, I guess my feeling is because I feel like people get really annoyed about two things of how these utilities spend their money. Number one, um, on advertising. 
which I don't get why they spend money on Because they're a monopoly. They don't have to don't spend have to advertising. Right. They got all of us. No, whenever there's an outage, you start hearing new ads, too, pop up, like saying, we're doing our best, which you don't really need to spend that money, in my opinion. Um, and the other thing is the amount of money they spend donating to these politicians where they clearly say, hey, we're not being forced to do this, so why would they? And I, I kind of... I kind of appreciate that argument, but they know what they're doing. Do you know how that money, how much money is spent in, you know, lobbying and advertising? I didn't look at that because I was pretty tightly sure. focused on reliability, but they certainly, yeah, they do they do spend that money. One of the things we found is uh the I think the data went to 2021. And and there are a few different ways of looking at how long you take to restore power when there are outages. One has to do with a formula that factors in all of the people that are served by the utility. And then another one is uh, the duration versus how many people were out. And they're really bad in both of those categories. In 2021, the only uh, power company that did worse than DTE on this duration problem was Entergy in Louisiana, which was hit by a category four yeah, hurricane. hurricane. Yeah. So... Um, they're, they're the only ones we beat in here in Michigan. And I don't recall us having any weather events that no. approached. No, we always, we always have a hundred year storm. When the power went out, whenever it was, what, a month ago, six weeks ago, the guys at the end of my street, I think I told Mike and Mark this, they were, it was a crew from Florida because obviously when DT, when there's a massive outage, they got to go out and find crews from around the country. And these guys, I went down to talk to them a little bit, and they started telling me, yeah, this is the, by far the weakest, oldest technology, and the, they hate working on it. But they come because the, the money's good, right? Mm -hmm. And they said, their, from their perspective, the issue was what they called sequencing in terms of the duration. So it takes forever, kind of to your point with automation, right? It takes forever. The, the path they have to follow to get power back on is unlike almost any other place in the country. That was now. These guys are just working the lines, but still, I mean, they have some experience, right? They travel around the country doing this, and I wonder how expensive it is to, you know. Well, that's another cost. Fix yeah. that, right? Well, it's a whole ounce of prevention, right? Right. I mean, yeah. They said there's some that the, the way they get on the computers and try to do that is unlike anything they've ever seen. And they, these guys go around the country. Yeah, one of the things I've heard repeatedly was that we have an automation problem for sure. Where one one of the things it was likened to to me is the old Christmas lights, where if one bulb went out, the whole string went right. out. And now on the newer ones, if one bulb goes out, it's just that one bulb, and the and the string stays on. It's sort of the same concept here, where it, they're they if they had the right technology, they could isolate a blackout. Uh, before the trucks even roll, before the crews even go out. And we don't have that to any great degree on our very large, vast uh, power systems. They also talked about the infrastructure, that the poles, you know, they were from Florida, where it's a little bit different. They have to worry about hurricanes and so forth. But just the way the poles are, are stuck in the ground and how they're not very sturdy, I guess, was their point, right? Mm -hmm. The way in, in Florida, they use, in other places, they use a lot more cement, for example. To keep things sturdy, because it's not just the lines that go down. Sometimes it's a pole that will go over and take the lines. I mean, excuse me, not just the lines from the trees, but the poles themselves sometimes. They were talking about this. I don't know how much of that is a problem. Well, and again, my, my point on all of this stuff is if you take a step back, well, why haven't we fixed it? Right. We've had the same problems for well over 10 years. So, and it makes you wonder, One of the th some people out there believe that the regulatory 
set up here in Michigan with the Michigan Public Service Commission just it doesn't have enough teeth to hold these guys to account. Oh, and they, and they know it, too. I mean, they, they know it. And because for whatever reason, a utility is publicly traded on the stock market. So I guess they see the responsibility to return dividends to be far greater than that of their customers because what choice do we have? Because you were telling, saying before the show, some states, you can choose your power company. Yeah, in tax in a lot of Texas, in parts of Pennsylvania, I think in parts of New Jersey, they're they're deregulated to the point where uh, it's not one utility controlling the grid. So if you don't like the service you're getting from one, you actually have other options. We, Do those operate better um, from what you found in your research? Uh, I I really haven't done enough to kind of intelligently talk about that, but uh, that that might be another avenue for me to go down is to. Sort of because Especially one of the things we were promised right? with our regulated system long, long ago was it would be reliable sure. and it would be affordable. Well, as ML touched it's on, we uh, we pay, especially on the residential side, I think the next closest uh, utility was in Illinois and it was 10% less. Wow. So that's how much separation there is from them to number two what about public utilities because i've read that sometimes they're the most efficient like co-ops yeah basically yeah. where the where the the community owns it so mpsc um the regulators one of the things they they've told me they're kind of getting sick of doing the same things over and over again and not seeing any uh, appreciable difference They've ordered a third-party audit to come in and check out DTE and consumers and see, you know, what are you doing? What aren't you doing? What are other people doing? Um, and one of the things they said they want them to look at is Lansing's power company. Oh, the Board of Water and Light. Board of Water and Light. So I think it was back in 2013. There was a terrible ice storm that uh, locked down Lansing, among other places. And uh, according to their manager now, he said they performed terribly in it. They uh, People were like like 40% of the, the power base, customer base, was without power for more than 11 days. So there were a lot of ramifications after that. The The manager at the time got fired, and they said, we have to do things differently. Well, one of the things they did was a giant surge of replacing the dilapidated, out-of-date equipment and poles and lines, a very aggressive tree trimming program, which I think they went from three crews to 33, and they've kept them in place ever since 2013. And when they're done in an area... They go right back around and cut again, which makes it easier because at the time they were cutting 20 years of tree growth. You can imagine what that looks like. And you can imagine how people freak out. Hey, what are you doing to my tree? One of the things they said they did was they were kind of heartless about that. Like, you know what? We are not going to have tree branches above our lines. And sorry if you don't like it. Well, their reliability, has they went from one of the worst to one of the best. And... Um, MPSC wants to look at that and see how does that translate. Obviously, DT and consumers are quite a bit bigger, but you know what are you doing? Because in this last ice storm, which obviously hit all of the Great Lakes region, uh, Lansing didn't have a, a line that went down in the street, and they were down to the east of them, and they were down to the west of them. They brought crews in from other states to be ready for that storm, and they sent them away because they didn't have anything for them to do. Well, that's one of the things that that I I always 
puzzle over. It's got to be incredibly expensive to bring crews in from all over the country who are probably working overtime. They're getting paid per diems. There's lots of travel. You should by now be able to figure out what that cost is every year and maybe put it into prevention. And and I don't know if you looked at this, Keith, but it's my understanding that the way the rates are set up, DTE, and I assume consumers as well, is guaranteed a certain profit margin when they put their rates in there. So they're a for-profit, shareholder-held company that has a monopoly and is guaranteed a certain profit. What other businesses do you know that are a lot, a guaranteed a certain profit? It should be, you take your chance, and if you run your utility like shit, then you either go bankrupt and somebody takes you over or competitors come in and say, we're going to do it better and offer more value for your money. That's one area that they're doing quite well in. One of the things we looked at was uh, the past 10 years of uh, return on equity, comparing consumers and DTE to the national average for utilities. They've been consistently above it and well above it. So they, they bring in more money for their investors than the average utility, despite, you know, at least on reliability in getting the power restored, being among the worst in the country of utilities their size. So so that's one of those things where maybe you need to sacrifice some profits, maybe not all of them, but some of them to make your service better. I mean, reinvest. In, and I know, and I've seen DTE advertised for tree trimmers. I understand there's a labor issue there, so you may not be able to hire everybody that you would like to hire. We know that they've been doing, to my mind, a very good job trying to get off of coal and transfer the grid to more clean energy and more reliable, renewable resources. So I compliment them for that. But when you switch it to reliable and all this other stuff, but it doesn't get into my house, that doesn't feel, whether it's renewable or not, it ain't turning on the fridge. One of the, going back to Lansing, one of the things that they said that after they did all this work to be better ready for storms that come along, they don't have to put as much money into being prepared for storms. So they can then take, I think they said they cut their storm response budget by 70%. That's money that can go to other things. Uh, so, And in their case, probably to lower rates, right? Because they're not a for-profit uh, operation. Right. Yeah, their rate they they've done some modest rate increases over the years, but all the stuff I'm talking about with them, they never had any super dramatic rating rate hike. So it can be done. Uh, you you think about how vast uh, DTE and Consumers Energy's uh, uh, power areas are, and then you think about a storm like that recent one we had, the ice storm. What did that cost, the, the response to put all those wires back up? And imagine if you had hardened the system to be more ready for that, the money saved to do other things with. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like changing the oil in your car, or do you want to replace the engine? Well, I think changing the oil is not only cheaper in the long run, but it's easier to budget for because you know you're going to spend this much every three months as opposed to one three years i got to get a new motor i mean it just this does not seem that complicated to me and and one of the reasons why um i think we caught dte's attention when we talked about this a few years ago with a guy who installs solar systems is they were going for double digit rate increases but at the same time they were slashing the amount of money that they were paying to people who generate their own power and feed it back into the system now in the interest of full disclosure, 
I'm one of those people. I have solar panels and we generate power and we sell it back to DTE during the day. And then we buy power from DTE at night to keep the lights on when the sun's not high. But it, it just seemed crazy to me that they would want to jack up the rates, but the people who are generating their own power, they want to lower what they're going to pay them. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's illogical. And when you talk about, you know, people keeping their power on, the more it's kind of individualized, the, the, the less problem you're going to have with, you know, if your neighbor has an outage, right? Well, in theory, but, the, but because we're tied into the grid, even if the sun is, is shining, I get no power from my panels because I get shut down when the grid gets shut down. <laughs> and that's to protect the line workers. And, and we, we should be clear here. I think this is obvious, but let's, let's put it on the table. We got nothing but love for the line men and women who go out there. They're going out in the shittiest weather, Shit, in the tough. most terrible conditions. 16-hour shifts, yeah. if not more. Incredibly yeah. dangerous jobs. I can't imagine working a bunch of doubles and then dealing with live energy and saying, well, I'm kind of tired. Maybe I'm not going to pay as close attention. Next thing you know, you're a piece of bacon. I mean, God bless these men and women who do that. I'm sorry some of them were distracted by Sean, who hopefully <laughs> brought them some biscuits or something to, to warm their bones. No, they were to, chilling in the street waiting for orders. But, uh, oh, okay, yeah. so except for those slackers on Sean's No, block, no, no, they, they, weren't really, slack, oh. they weren't slacking at all. You know, they were exhausted. They'd been working for however many days straight, yeah. And your presence invigorated them? Well, you know, these people are uh, treated. <laughs> it does by, have that effect on people. Yeah, 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 <laughs> they, they they call you a double espresso yeah. on the street. That's what they. It's one energy problem they can't fix. Yeah, right. No, they can't. Um, Keith, so who has the teeth to make them change? Well, one of the things, uh, maybe the legislature. I know they have no incentive. To uh, do that. It makes you wonder because I feel like we do this little two step where we have a big outage. People are very angry. They get their you know, lawmakers angry. We have angry hearings. We get a lot of contrition from the utilities about how they're going to do better. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. So are with we a, in a, a fundraiser thrown in there along the way for the lawmakers? Sure. Are we in a rinse and repeat again? Uh, time will tell. But I did feel like the vibe this time was like, are you kidding me? Again, in the middle of winter, I'm without power for five days. But they, they know that, they know, like you said earlier, that the atmosphere in this state is very advantageous for them. Is it because the Public Service Commission is weak? And who's on that commission and how do they get on the commission? Well, that that's another issue that that probably needs some exploring because, you know, the, the kinds of people who get involved in it are people who have experience in the industry so there's a little bit of a revolving door yeah. kind of question to that but uh are they appointed by uh the governor or are they yes they are um they, they go through confirmation hearings in the senate right and, and i did a story at fox too when i think this may be if not the newest public service commission member or the second newest guy named norm sari who um uh governor snyder appointed to the public service commission his career was as a lobbyist at Consumers Energy. <laughs> and when he went through his Senate hearing, his confirmation hearing, the senators treated him like an old friend because he yeah, was an he old was, friend. Yeah. They asked him no hard questions. And one senator said, you know, you know, I know I should be concerned about your ties to the power company, but, you know, I know you and you're such a good guy. I'm sure you're going to do a great job. And I'm not saying Norm has or hasn't done a great job. I hasn't. I haven't scrutinized his record since he got on the Public Service Commission. But how in in God's green earth do you think that the best person to regulate an industry is someone who was paid to try and and ease regulations 
on an industry? I mean, does he have a deathbed conversion where now he's the toughest guy on the industry because he knows how bad they are from the inside? Or is he somebody who just says, ah, they're nice folks. And, and, and another thing to think about is, uh, to a large degree, these uh, commissioners on the Public Service Commission mm-hmm. are reliant on staff giving them reports. And I'm sure there are a lot of good people who do a, a good job at what they're doing. But in order to do that job, you have to have experience in the electric utility world. So yet again, a lot of them, there's sort of this revolving door in, into and out of the utilities that you're regulating. One of the, uh, the, the chairman of the MPSC, Dan Scripps, was telling me one of their frustrations historically has been they set the spending priorities when they set the budget. But then the utilities themselves manage their budget, and they have some discretion to say, well, we were going to do some long-term spending in this area, but we decided we're going to do something else. So one of the things... We wanted to renew the lease on our suite at Comerica Park, and that messed us up. (laughs) Well, to be fair, as you mentioned, they're doing a lot of transition from coal to natural gas. Um, You know, that's been a huge expenditure. One of the things they talked about Uh, at the MPSC level is like, for example, on this most recent tree trimming surge that DTE committed to in the fall of 2021, those funds were airmarked and must be used for trimming trees or they don't get that money basically. So they're saying that may be the way down the road to the, the, okay, you say you need automation on your power poles to better isolate blackouts. Well, do it. And here's the money and don't do anything else with that money and, and don't come back for more money until you've spent that money and demonstrated oh, wow. all you've done with it. And, and yet again, you say, well, wait, we weren't doing that already, uh, you know, over 10 years plus. So last time there was a power outage, um, the Woodward corridor was, was hit pretty hard. And, and I noticed, you know, these are a lot of small businesses that are losing out on any kind of revenue they were going to make that day. Cause they don't, they don't have power. A lot of them don't have generators, um, why is there not some small business association that can go up there and raise hell because they're losing money for not having reliable service? Every rate case that that these utilities do, um, there are, are groups that come in and kind of intervene in the case. And there are small business groups. There are large corporation, you know, because they use a lot of power, too, that, that <laughs> will usually say one, one of the things I notice is uh, they'll ask for the moon. The MPSC will reduce it, yeah, and, and then they pat they themselves want. on the back. Look, we cut what they said they wanted by you know thirty percent. Well, they kind of knew where yeah, where it was going. That's incredible. No, and and it's 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 uh, it's insane how this works. The, um, the 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 public service commissioners, some of them, when you when you look at their backgrounds, you're like, oh, these people are never going to prove a rate increase. These are hardcore lefty, you know, screw the man type people, and they still end up approving significant increases. Here's who has a lot of juice in this process too. Manufacturers and big businesses and big businesses, large utility users pay a lower rate than consumers because they've been so effective at putting the screws to DTE and the Michigan Public Service Commission because they have a lot of clout. They have a lot of lobbyists themselves and they go in and then they say, we can't profitably exercise or run our businesses when power rates are this high. So they get basically a more favorable rate because they have more juice. And the people who make these decisions or who weigh in on this are some lefty groups, some consumer groups, obviously not spreading the money around that big businesses. There's the big business groups. 
There's the attorney general who will often argue against uh, rate increases. And then there's the utilities who argue for rate increases. And then there's the public service commission that makes the ultimate decision. And when we were talking about this three years ago, DTE went in and they wanted something like a 10% increase and they got 5%. So the next time they came in and they asked for like another 10% and they got another 5%. And I think if when they asked for the 10%, they said, if we get the 10%, we don't need to ask for another rate increase. But instead they got five and five and they got to their 10 and uh, uh, Jason Tyler is writing here on Facebook. By the way, Jason, I didn't see you at our championship game last night. I did injure oh, my knee. Your volleyball game, that's right. I did hurt night. my knee, and I was looking for some some PT there. But uh, I guess I guess we'll talk about that off the air. He says I was a fellow in, at MSU in the Michigan Political Leadership Program, where politicians learn the ropes, and lots of staffers learn the ropes. And two days were sponsored by DTE and consumers, <laughs> and those are the only days. That were sponsored. Well, DTE so the, also just sponsored the uh, Michigan Spring Game, so that was fun. I hope the uh, power goes fun. out in Ann Arbor this season. Well, but, it was a really bad day, too, and a lot of oh, people did lose power around there, so I, I don't get it. Because but, we're fucked, man. There's nothing we can do about it. But the care and feeding of lawmakers starts very, very early on, and it's very hard for them to get weaned from that that money. But the problem is... As often happens, we get mad, the power's out, the power doesn't go out for a while, we move on to something else. There are people in Lansing whose job is to basically stay mad about this all the time. And stories like Keith helps remind people how the system works, that it's not working, and that we need to do something about it. So, Keith, thanks thanks for uh, thanks for really diving into that. I mean, it's a great – so you can still find it at the Free Press. We will put a link – to his story on our website, that's mlsoulofdetroit.com. Uh, the other thing is, we'll put a link up there to subscribe to the Free Press. This is a, this is a subscriber-only story. With this link, you'll get a $5 Amazon gift card if you subscribe to the Free Press. And I think it's something like you get a year subscription for $9.99. So you can get a year subscription at basically half price. So take advantage of that because... One of the ways we keep the watchdogs on the power company is to make sure that we don't run out of juice ourselves, and that juice is your paltry subscription. It's much. In fact, I pay $10 a month to be tied into the grid to supply power to the grid, $10 a month for the, for the privilege of being tied to this unreliable system. You can get a subscription to the free press for $10 a year. So, I mean, come on, man. Um, Keith, before <laughs> we- odd comparison. Well, no, but think about this. I'm paying $10 to, to provide Thank somebody you. something, you know, for the That's privilege. That's what heroes do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a sacrifice. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy. Thank you for your service. I'm happy, yeah. to, I'm happy to be yeah. a service. Um, but Keith also did a, a great story about hazardous waste going through Michigan. Tell us real quick what you found, Keith. So a lot of people were, were alarmed about the derailment in Ohio. And they got more alarmed here in Michigan when they found out that a lot of that material that had spilled everywhere was being shipped here. I got to admit, that story kind of caught me flat-footed over the weekend that everybody freaked out about it because I was like, well, of course it's coming here. We have one of the largest hazardous waste landfills in the country. Um, and it it's you know now owned by Republic Services, which was doing the cleanup for Norfolk Southern there. Uh, but But, you know, everybody got up in arms about it and actually got that ship our lawmakers got that shipment stopped and now they're diverting it to i think indiana 
well, that kind of stuff is coming through here every day uh, to this landfill, to these treatment places, to our deep injection wells and, and stuff that's even more toxic. Um, it's a daily thing. Uh, any, uh, you've seen the rail cars that run, you know, right across our major freeways and all through Metro Detroit. Uh, when you want to find out specifically what is coming by you, they basically don't let you know, um, a because of trade proprietary trade secrets and B because of national security. And I guess it makes sense if you knew this toxic chemical is coming by at this time at this location, probably not a good thing, but the other side of that coin is, well, I want to know what is running right by my elementary school. And it's a pretty complicated uh, two-step to find out about it. So she would be scared as hell? Not necessarily. I'm a little I, scared. The, 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 rail, the rail industry will tell you that 99.9% that .9 of the time these things arrive without incident, and it's probably true. And they'll also say, you know, running this stuff by rail is better than it being on the road on trucks. And that's probably true. Well, I can tell you that a lot of the stuff that is making its way to these hazardous waste landfills in Wayne County is on our roads coming by truck. Um, so, and, and, and people have told me it's not about the fact that 99.9% .9 of the time it's everything's fine. It's that 0.1% of the time it can be catastrophic. And there've been some incidents there. There was a, uh, uh, a train car that was parked for the night on a hill full of uh, petroleum product that the brakes gave way and it rolled into a town in Quebec a few years back and exploded and something like 36 people died. It burnt down the downtown. So, so these things can happen. They don't happen very frequently, but when they do, they can be really bad. It also seems like when they do the response, just there doesn't seem to be much uniform responses to what they're supposed to do. And it seems like it's up to the, the rail companies. Is that true? Well, the rail, the, one of the things that I found that was interesting as I looked into this is the, remarkably small role that our state environmental regulators have in this. It's all the federal, federal railroad administration. Even the EPA doesn't seem to have a really large role in it. Although maybe they do once something spills. Um, so it's a somewhat kind of insular regulatory system that is basically designed to keep the trains moving and keep the products moving that industry wants. Um, I get that, but maybe I'm um, cynical and thinking that, well, there's probably, probably like the utility companies, there's a lot of, you know, changeover between people that work for the railways that work for this commission that oversee it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'll talk, to, I talked to folks for that story uh, at the Detroit fire department and they'll very enthusiastically say, Oh, we're ready. If anything like this ever happened, we know what to do. We know how to go and see, you know, what is spilled. Um, you know, is there a risk to people? Should they shelter in place? Should they evacuate? We're on top of it. But then I talk to critics of the industry who say, well, wait a minute. These rail industries making their millions and billions of dollars have sort of offloaded the emergency response, if something goes bad, to communities. To the local, yeah, the local level. Uh, now, they'll, wow. they'll talk about, well, we have these robust training programs for them. But yeah, but you're still reliant on these communities yeah. to provide your sort of backup <laughs> wow. and, and to make if you do your job wrong. So, so that's great if it happens in Detroit we, where we have a professional fire department where people have a lot of experience and it's large enough that you can have specialty units. But what if it happens in Bad Axe? 
you know, where there's a bunch of old boys jumping in a pickup truck with their rubber boots on, and they're like, hey, what's with this cloud? I don't know. Oh, shit, my lungs evaporated. What happens if it happens in East Palestine, Ohio? Exactly. Oh, wait, it did. Yeah, that that's, you know, that's bad, right? That was not good. It, it gets complicated, right? And, and I don't know if you remember this, but um, there was some stuff spilled there, and they were worried it was going to explode, so they set it, it alight. Yeah. And you see these billowing black clouds, and they're telling you everything is... Okay, you know, toxic gas. Yeah, mm-hmm. what a mess. Well, Keith, uh, usually when we hang yeah. out, it's a lot of fun. But it's you being the most depressing person in a room with Sean Windsor. Yeah, if if you're watching us on on YouTube, <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, you're seeing a lot of smiles here because we're now kind of really scared. But this may be our last episode, depending on <laughs> what we run into on the rails on the on the way home. Um, but uh, but Keith, thanks very much for your great work. Thanks for joining us and. Uh, we look forward to having you on again when you bring us some more tales of fright. I mean, damn, dude. Thanks for, thanks for bringing up the energy. Why do me. I always have to be the heavy? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's the, uh, well, they're, they're, the com- they're really complex stories, but I, I thought you did a good job breaking it down. You know, it's very readable. So I guess that's one, the one of the things that's kind of out there that we all have to sort of think about is we've decided as a society that we're going to use these chemicals in our industries sure. to have our consumer goods. There's no turning back. Now. And, 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 you know, it has to be moved. And, and when you have this toxic waste, well, we know what happens, you know, a hundred years ago, they would just dump it in the backyard. So you kind of do need these hazardous waste facilities. I don't really know what the answer is about, I think you just got to be really diligent on on the safety protocols of it and not necessarily leave it up to the industry. To, to your to point before that. that, I don't think we want the rail companies deciding that, hey, let's light this on fire because we don't want it to spill. You know, It'll be a lot easier and probably cheaper for us just to light this on fire because it seemed like they unilaterally just made that decision with no oversight. And look at the damage it's called. I caused, I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it's good. But Keith does write a lot about other uplifting topics too he writes about the environment the great lakes what's going on in our our beautiful forests and uh so so he you'll have to have me on to talk about butterflies sometime. yeah and, and he, he's a lot of fun at parties and and he does a great getty lee if you ever get him on the karaoke so that's right so Ooh. yeah so keith is he's a man for all seasons even if this tends to be sort of a, a bleak one that's really scary and terrifying but uh but thanks man we appreciate it you bet so let's let's tell you about some folks who can help you. Uh, Keith can help you by keeping an eye on the people. He's the watchman who makes sure that these guys don't get away with, I don't want to say necessarily murder, but with all kinds of things that could lead to death and destruction. But Luke Nowacki and David Hall, they make sure that... Uh, what an uplifting segue. Well, I mean, they're, this is, they look towards the future, but they see... They see good things, and they can help you get to a better future. Well, we're getting to that uh, the time of the year where home buying just starts taking off, right? It's spring, it's summer, so buying season is here. It's easier than ever right now to get a new home with Hall Financial's exclusive Buy Smart program. And what is that? Well, they're going to give you up to 2500 towards your down payment. You can get pre-approved the same day with uh, the most credible pre-approval in the industry. That's Hall Financial's five-star certified pre-approval. Hall Financial can even contact you with a top realtor. They have a huge network of realtors. So whether you're looking to purchase a new home, refinance your current home, you need to call Hall Financial first, 866-CALL-HALL or chat with them online at callhallfirst.com. And with all that money you're going to save, why not invest it? Why not put some money down for your future? And one of the guys we recommend and trust 
is Luke Nowacki. He's got a whole team at Pinnacle Wealth, and they can help you, um, you know, figure out what your goals are going to be, how old you are, where you want that money to go, and how you want that money to grow as well as you get old. So call them, give them, get a free consultation, 248 663 4748. That's 248 663 4748. Because when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? Are we skipping the geek? No, in fact, I want to talk about... Where's the song? Because I need to use the restroom. I want to talk about the woman... Wait, you said you would stay. LSU, who you referenced at the top of the show, pointing to her ring finger. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about what happened there. Oh, so she's a, a guard for LSU. LSU beat Iowa in the national title game. And Iowa has a player who... Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark is the national player of the year who likes to talk trash herself and use the uh, John Cena, no see me, you know, open hand over your face. The ring gesture is actually from Steph Curry, who did this last year in the NBA Finals. I want to say in the third quarter of game six against the Celtics, the third quarter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is, which is you know, ballsy. There's, there's 25% more of the game left to go, as I'm led to understand. And he's showing the – this is on the road, by the way, and he's showing the, the Celtics crowd. Well, that's he's cool. Pointing, Celtic fans are kind of he, passive. People in ring. Boston don't really get so, involved. So Angel Reese, um, as, when LSU won, sort of followed Caitlin Clark around, doing the putting her hand in front of her face, doing the gesture that Clark does, and then she pointed to her ring finger. And which I thought was really fun, but a lot of people uh, on. But, but on, she's taken a ton of shit for this. People who don't know the history of the girl, the woman from Iowa, or any of this other stuff, or Steph Curry, are just all over this woman from LSU. No, it's it's ridiculous. I think a lot of people. It's funny because a couple of former colleagues were texting last night about about this, and we were kind of debating about it. And Michael Rosenberg, who wrote a really good piece about uh, the championship game for Sports Illustrated, said is in his mind. A lot of people were shocked because they don't watch women's basketball, yeah. and they were they were surprised to see them acting just like the men. And if you have a problem with that, that's well, that's sexist, right? I mean, they sh- it's basketball first, and they should be able to they should be able to act. I think it's good for the sport. It's great for the sport. You have to have heels. You have to have people to hate. So so there's definitely some sexism going on, and uh, and some of uh, black folks. I think there's some racism going on too because Caitlin Clark wasn't criticized for her trash talking the way Angel Reese was for hers. And there were some folks trying to make a distinction saying Angel Reese did, you know, that it was more over the top, et cetera, et cetera. And other people like, no, this is a strong black woman. If you have a problem with that, then you have some other issues going on. So I did not pay attention to the game. I, I knew that the, the woman from Iowa was a tremendous athlete Incredible. player of the year. I saw a picture. I think it was in the free press of the guard from LSU pointing at her finger while she was next. And I just saw this isolated image. I thought, what a bitch. I mean, what a poor sport. What a bad loser. And then you hear the whole story and you're like, 
I kind of feel like the player from Iowa is the geek because of she's kind of a shit talker the whole way, and this has been flipped well, around. Are you going to make, call Larry to make Bird her the a victim? Geek? Wait, you either like it. Larry either, Bird is a geek. You either he's, like the he's shit talker. He's a geek talker. who can hit oh, any Isaiah bucket Thomas he shot. Thomas a geek? You're going to call Dennis Rodman? He'd like to trash talk. What about Michael Jordan? Exactly. Yeah. Or LeBron's I, not I, a huge I, trash talker. Or Curry. You or, either like it or you don't. But I mean, to ML, to your point, I can understand why people would see that and not like it. But should you have to know the whole background? story i mean i didn't know the whole background story oh i think you do because if i didn't if i didn't know the whole story i'd say this woman from lsu is heads heads and tails geek do you have a problem with trash talking in any other sport how about in the nfl or when i I play basketball all i can do is trash what about the nfl or college football when somebody gets a hit and then they stand over him and just kind of stare him down or i don't like you celebrate a touchdown right i think it's great it's fabulous i I don't like the standing over an injured player type of thing no not injured player yeah, you nobody would but stand that's the over. Example it. you use? No, when you hit a player oh. and get him down, and then you just like, yeah, stay down. Like Lawrence Taylor, there's great Chuck Bednarik. There's great uh, video of him, sound audio of him actually sacking the quarterback, and then saying, "You better stay down there, yeah. son, because it's going to be a long afternoon." Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so now that we have the full context, I think it's obvious. Michael Rosenberg, you're our geek of the week. <laughs> I don't know. It's obvious to me. Room 7609 is where you go in the podcasting world for great music. But if you want great music right here in Metro Detroit, we recommend the Kaju Cafe, the pride of the east side, where the kitchen is open Monday through Saturday till midnight because they got great food, and on Sundays till 10. This week, on Wednesday, it's karaoke. Thursday is Blue Thursdays. Friday, Wheels of Fire, a tribute to Cream. On Saturday, they have Velos, three-spoke wheel, Rob Zink and the collaborators, closed for Easter on Sunday because the good thing about the Kaju is they recommend. They, 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 they appreciate the Lord. You've got to take some time for Jesus, right? Amen. Even Jesus liked, Jesus is just all right. That was more than just a song. It was it's a whole, I guess, some whole religion based on that. And then on, uh, on Monday, Evan Perry and Friends for the Open Jam, Muscle Madness, All You Can Eat Muscles. Tuesday, well, just make your own fun. And then we're back with karaoke on Wednesday. So to find out more about all the great stuff going on at the Kaju Cafe, great music, great food, great fun, the feather bowling lanes are always open, go to kajucafe.com. We have been challenging our listeners to suggest, to nominate songs, pop songs that they've heard, where when they listen to it, they say, wait a minute, that's got a great new wave hook in it. Mike Johnson, who's always on top of New Wave Developments, this week suggested this fantastic song by Lady Sovereign. I want you to listen to it. On the back end, I'm going to ask you this question. Which New Wave song do you hear when you listen to So Human? That's easy. I know! Yeah, yeah. Everyone, we've had one of them days when this amazing cannot relate. I'm a star. I'm a 
an individual, uneducated example of intelligence, I'm considerably cool, had bad days, offended people, been booed off stage, been down as people, anyway, things change, always at the hotel, always, I'll be gone again in four days, wait, I was this, I made myself so sick, I wish I stayed, asleep today, So sometimes people sample uh, a riff and they they use it in their song. This one just completely and utterly ripped off the entire song and used it as like a music bed for their little hippity hop thing. Oh my god! Does anybody so old? Yeah, <laughs> I'm old. It's been four years. Um, who knows, Max? I'm gonna 
I'm going to hold you for last because we we can't we can't let you have the professional edge on this. Sean, so Warren G should never have sampled Michael McDonald. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. And 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 uh, under pressure with uh, a vanilla ice, you know, it's fantastic. It's yeah, stuff. but they didn't credit him. Well, that ended up being a problem too. And and who ripped off uh, Hall and Oates? Was that Puff Daddy? So, well, he he took every. Well, he took Diana years. Ross's uh, "I'm Coming Out." Right, that was yeah. probably yeah. his b- biggest. But, but that's more, I mean, this is, you don't have this, this, this new wave classic. You don't really have, you have somebody talking basically. I mean, this is, this is a straight up, straight up robbery, but does, who knows what, who was robbed? I mean, they I get know. songwriting credit. So is yeah. it a robbery? And speaking of talking, we've probably done enough on this subject. Oh boy. Well, it's just as simple questions. You know what song this is? No, I don't. Okay. Mark? It's the cure, but I don't remember the name of it. Okay. Now we're going to Max with a closer. Close to me. That's right. It's close to me by the Cure, that was uh, borrowed by Lady Sovereign. She is a sovereign, so she can do what she wants. And as a lady, we're going to respect her right to do that. Who turned the Cure's "Close to Me" into "So Human"? And that voice you just heard is Max Prokop, uh, Esquire, who also is right. a music impresario, who is here to talk a little bit about a new music bed he's created to help celebrate our 200th anniversary, and also best part of the show. <laughs> To talk about a gig that's coming up very soon at the Magic Bag. Not the Recure gig. There is a Cure cover band playing at the Magic Bag. But the Smiths United, who are performing on Friday, April 14th. Is that right? Yep, just coming up. So tell us a little bit about this gig. You guys usually have sort of a clever theme, right? Like uh, um, we do for the November spawn, Thanksgiving spawn. Yeah, we do for the Thanksgiving or, show. This one really isn't any big theme. It's called Louder Than Bombs. That's just one of the Smiths' greatest hits CDs. Um, but this is just kind of like the we we do one or two a year at the Magic Bag. It's like our favorite venue. It's one of the best venues in it's awesome in place Metro to Detroit. see live yeah. music. Um, but we always pair the venues up, so we the venues we always pair the the tributes up. So it's us and REM, which is a Rapid Eye Movement, which is REM tribute band, and Fabulous Disaster, which is a Sex Pistols tribute band. Sweet. Wait a minute, Sex. I don't know if I've ever seen those guys. Have they been around for a while? Um, I think maybe two years, give or take. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you guys played last time, there was a Cars cover band that was great. There's yeah, they a were Susie great. and the Banshee covers band mm-hmm. that's out there. There's a yep. Depeche Mode. Yep. A uh, lot of. Why don't really you get these good... at your parties? Why do we have to have the Smiths? Why can't we do the oh, Sex Pistols? Uh, Max, would you like to answer that question? Because <laughs> <laughs> he wants us to play his parties. What, what am I going to say? <laughs> no. Can we do this? Can we do the Sex Pistols or? Uh... Something like that. Maybe this is just a very subtle and elegant way for me to be able to hang out with my buddy Max on a nice July evening. Yeah, and he brings some of his friends, and I bring <laughs> some of my friends. And no, I think I think actually some of the guys from the Sex Pistols have played your party, but they were doing it as a Clash tribute. It's like there's some yes, overlap. That's great too. Yeah. yeah. No, no, we've done we've done both. Yeah, and Max also plays with the King's English and Shasta Fox, and they they play around too. A lot of lot of great music, some original music, some great covers, uh, more than just new wave, Sean. So maybe you'd like to come out on a Saturday That'd night be great. instead of hanging out in a gym asking players to sign your sneakers. <laughs> what? Isn't that what you do? You're a big sneakerhead. I don't really have any sneakers, but yeah, no. What were you saying anyway? <laughs> Where's that? Uh, I didn't know you want to get involved in the discussion, Mister Helper. Drop when we need it. Um, so, so no, we just don't get enough Smiths. So that you know, I was just asking. Exactly my point. How can you possibly get enough Smiths? 
Yeah, and by the way, when are we going to get to Kilpatrick? In just a minute. Okay. Well, I think the Sex Pistols only had like a one album, right? They had right. they had a yeah. smaller output, so you essentially play that album and the and, night's and, over. And that's that, forty five minutes because they're short songs. You don't too, have to be that good at it either, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the that's the only problem with with being in a, a Sex Pistols tribute. But I mean, it's a it's a great forty five to an hour. It there really you go. Is. I mean, the, and then they you can hang it. out with your buddy afterwards, right? Yeah, I would like to see that show. Be More ne- never mind time. Sean Windsor. It's the Smiths United. I said never mind the bollocks, which yeah. I know. Yeah. No, we got one it. One of your right. favorite we albums. We understood the joke. Anyways, we love to get your suggestions here in room seven six nine. The who? The damn United. The damn United. Well, I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. Better late than never. Actually, I saw The Damned open up for Blondie last summer at wait, the Fox. Wait, was that Sam Kinison? It was. No. No. It was a, it was a university professor. Oh, okay. Oh, was it the, the Professor Kinison from Back to School? The Rocky Dangerfield yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. See, that's why I don't want to play anything. It's such a... That's <laughs> a great movie. Go the, off on a tangent. They shot that in... Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, where I went to college. Really? Oh, yeah. So I went. I watched that movie. I can look in the background and I can see. Oh, yeah, that's the Humanities Building, and that's where Dean Martin's uh, building at yeah. at University of Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever do a triple Lindy off the diving board there? No. <laughs> I know. I was. I've always wished. I was like, Sam. I never got to see a triple Lindy when I was there. I feel like I got hosed. <laughs> that's such bullshit. A good movie. You may want to join the alumni association. Try and bring that up at the next meeting. I think that could be a big crowd. Have you guys been to that campus? Uh, I went or, there last summer. Or that summer. town? Yeah, yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. place. It is. Very although fun place. when I went there, it was it was one of the many signs that the Mark D'Antonio era had ended. Oh, did you? Well, you did the jump around though, right? The football stadium. I'm kind of not really don't join in the celebrations of the stomping of my team so i kind of sat around but it was so shoulder to shoulder that you do end up jumping around it's like going to a game at michigan stadium when everybody stands up whether you want to or not you stand up because you're all kind of squeezed but i will say this when it's that cold you're grateful for the body heat because it gets cold in madison the first time i was involved in it i mean this in the press box it's the way it shakes oh, you can the, feel a stadium you're like oh my yeah. god is this gonna yeah this gonna hold it's up? coming down yeah it's coming down in madison yeah. yeah oh god i never noticed that yeah well but, now they just rebuilt it so they did a lot of uh rebuilding of it so yeah. i don't remember a lot when I was- max was <laughs> max was was playing guitar and and meeting chicks while the rest of us were waiting for a bunch of behemoths to pound the snot out of each other that would have been probably in the barry alvarez era right yes yeah okay yeah and that Ron Dane, I think, was like the the star football guy. Great Dane. Well, we would love to have your suggestions here at Room 769. Send them to mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. We are looking for for not new wave music that takes a lot of new wave hooks. So please send that to us. Carmen's checking in here on YouTube. Thanks Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing with us. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you didn't get us something for our 200th anniversary, I understand there weren't many shopping days. You can do us a big solid by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's Soul of Detroit. Just go subscribe, like it. Most importantly, hit the bell so you get alerts when we go live because that's always... It's always a notion, and uh, when you get that alert, you'll know that it's time to dial in, like Jason and Carmen and uh, many, many other dozens of people do every, every week.
And if you miss a show, you can watch the replay as well. Really sold it well there. Yeah, I kind of I kind of started to Colin Robinson got to me at the end of that one. Um, we want to thank our donors, and uh, that includes Bryant, who <laughs> who supports us all the time on a regular basis. He made an extra donation last week. He says, a small donation to ask that I not be referred to as a sugar daddy <laughs> by three older married men ever again, because I think, oh, Sean, you called it. him a sugar daddy. Oh, I did? Yeah. And he, has, he also adds, he's like, I would be happy to be somehow associated with Mark and ML, but that Sean guy kind of creeps me out, although he could clean my toilet. Nice. I'm happy to. Okay, so I made really? the last I made the last part up, but it, it, I think he Well, now you know he's available for cleaning toilets. He'd be pleased to know. Well, there's a lot of people who were uh strangely intrigued by Sean's uh quotidian duties here. Sorry. Uh, Nancy has supported the show. As best I can. Isn't that the name of the Scarlett Johansson farts band, the, the toilet cleaners or something? Uh, like I thought you were going to say the cleaners, cleaners, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Matt Farley. I know him well. He's a good friend. <laughs> He's so, the one that does the Luke Nowacki tag. <laughs> I know. I, I recognize it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson farts guy. So Michael sent us uh, a generous donation and just says, Sean Labor Story Money. And that comment will make a lot more sense as we get into your feedback. And we got a lot of feedback this week. Um, Mark, would you like to start us off? Sure, Milk Toast is the name. It says, I'll donate 20 bucks if Sean tells more physical labor stories on the next episode. I, I did cry laughing about the uh, fridge stories, what this person says. Well, I think people nice. like people like knowing that you were trying to push your car out in ice and that you got so much joy about cleaning out a fridge. I don't even remember about the car, but... Um, what? You don't? You almost did died. I- did I have to push my car out or something? I got stuck? Okay. It was like a month ago. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't remember these things. But thank you. And uh, Michael. the Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he almost did, actually. Yeah. yeah. Got clipped by remember the that? plow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was. Uh, the front tires weren't a little yes. a little divots. Not divots, but uh, miniature potholes that were yes. stuck. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They were spinning. I had to rock it to get it out. That's right. That's right. That was the last time Sean rocked it. Anyway, Milk Toast is actually Michael, and he sent more than he said he would. So, Milk Toast Michael, thank you very much. That's awesome. Sean, do you have any feedback? I do have some feedback. I do have some Uh feedback. Oh, he's going off script. Look out. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Here it is. Carlos sucks. This just came in. This just came in. Dear Sean, if you were on ML's show today, wow, that's that's even a question. It's sort of, that's hurtful. Yeah, true. I hope you discuss the Not inaccurate. I hope you discuss the LSU officiating. At what point do we wise up that, quote, bad officiating might actually be refs rigging the outcomes, scores, and prop bets of games? Seems we're all schmucks for pretending it's not possible for refs to be biased to swing games and or literally rig them for financial gain, ratings, or entertainment value. Look at the small sums credentialed politicians throw their life away for. You're telling me somehow low-watt ref is such a bubba thing? Please. There was a lot of seething envy and jealousy of that cute gal on Iowa. Cute gal. She was the only reason what 9 million of the 10 million viewers even tune into such a boring tournament. And I will say this, thirsty desperation to be cruel and taint your opponents for viral fame has ruined amateur sports. It's so repulsive and uncouth, especially from young women. All the best, Robin. That was a lot there. Wow. So um, um, I think the only sport where we're aware of a referee admitting to fixing games was in basketball in the NBA. Tim, Tim Donahue. Yeah. It was. I read that just to show, because we talked about this earlier in the, in the show, right? Just to kind of show what the LSU gals are up against, the kind of thinking they're up against. No offense to the Robin. Gals? Don't you mean the women? 
the varsity athletes at I didn't say girls like you do. I gals. said gals. Gals is, gals is fine. Yeah. If you're a cowboy. No, that'd be cowgirl. Oh, it ended right. That's that's buzz me cool. I, I do love that. I do love that song. Anyway. I will I, say this. The poor officiating in that game seemed to be from multiple both sides. Officials. The fouling. Uh, the LSU's best player set in the second quarter because of foul trouble, right? So for most of the second quarter, the fouls were even most, most ways. But when you celebrate and you get in, you know, see, this person's saying uncouth, taunting. You didn't necessarily like it. You're about to make uh, somebody the geek of the week because they celebrated a little too much. But I referred to I referred to higher authority. Meanwhile, what do you do when you're playing at Clark Park on the on the on the rink? I don't have enough breath left to, to talk to shit talk. because I'm trying to catch up with everybody on the ice who's better than me, which turns out to be. Everybody, Everybody on the ice. Well, I remember you liking the talk in basketball a little bit. That's the only part of basketball I do well. I talk yang and occasionally get my hand on a shot. That's it. And I did have a little bit of a hook at one time. but I, you know, I wonder, it's interesting that she said, and I think Robin emails a few times, which is, I like her emails. Yeah, I do too. thought provoking. Now she's going directly to Sean. She's cut us out. But, you know, well, she, I've, she's I included playing you favorites. Guys. I included you guys. No, but I didn't get guys, that email. That just went you, right you to got, you. Guys, gals. Anyway, I included you guys. Can you can you access it again? Because what was the part she said about amateur sports? Like, what was what did she think was ruining the amateur sport? Uh, this, this, she said, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. There was a lot of seething envy and jealousy of that cute gal in Iowa. And she was the reason people sure. watched. I will say this thirsty desperation to be cruel and taint your opponent's revival fame has ruined amateur sports. I'm not okay. sure. Oh. I don't see any cruelty in that at all. I just think that's part of basketball. Yeah, you know, I don't look. I love smack talking. I think it kind of is what makes sports interesting. I don't want to see. I don't know if you saw that third grade team that was doing it that went viral. I did it? see that. That was. Oh, by the way, it got their comeuppance when they got destroyed like a month later by another team. I did see that. What were they doing? They, they were holding up the three fingers were, after hitting a three ball or, or players, doing, yeah, doing the two short. Yeah, they were just assholes. Third, third, third graders were calling people too short? Well, they do. There's a hand gesture yeah. that's well-known in the NBA and college basketball right now. If you score over somebody, what they see if there. you score over somebody, well, I, I don't want you turn around it. and you hold your hand down to the ground and you say too short. Like Hunter Dickinson does that yeah. sometimes, right? For well, but when Michigan, you talk about it Well, being, not for Michigan anymore. When you talk about it being an amateur sport, that's kind of where... I, you look, you're going to lose because it's not. I don't see it as being an amateur sport. I see it as being big business. And some of the people that did these things, like the Cavender twins, remember they shushed the crowd, or the one of the twins yeah. shushed the crowd after she made her free throw. She has a major NIL deal. Caitlin Clark, I believe, makes over two hundred fifty thousand on and NIL that, deals. That quote, cute Iowa gal, which I don't want to say that's code for anything, Robin. What's I don't want to assume that, but it could, I'm just saying, Robin, that could be seen that way when you say that cute Iowa gal. What Is she attractive? No, I don't think that's what she's saying there. But anyway, she's the biggest t trash talker in, in college. Caitlin Clark, yeah. Caitlin Clark, yeah. Uh -huh. She's the biggest trash talker in women's college basketball right now. So, Okay. Uh, Sean, do you have any other feedback to share with us? Oh, oh yeah, something about what you wrote. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it's taking a shot at me, so I thought you'd appreciate it. Oh, was it? No, no, no. I, nobody messes with my pal. Well, then who messes with me? Mayor Duggan, uh, and I can't see, it's blocked out, so I can't see who this is from. Sorry. Mayor Duggan does not have any relatives working for him. I checked. I follow the widely accepted journalistic practice. I think that's practice. my response to the email. Yeah. Is there anything at the top? Nothing. Nothing at the top. Is there anything at the top? <laughs> Can you see? Do you want to take a look? Uh, sorry, I printed the wrong one. Here's all I see. Here we say. Well, this is why it's good to pre-read this before. Oh wait, wait, wait! Can I read that though? I like that. I follow the widely accepted journalistic practice that requires me to limit my work to the facts. 
Wow. Well, let's let's get the let's get the call before we get the response. This comes from Jay Ann. I think we can figure it out. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend that we're gonna do this in post. We're showing it. Nothing new or refreshing about your article. Same old writing attacking the black politicians and not a mumbling word relative to the mayor and those who may be working for him. I guess you're trying to get another award. One thing is for certain. It definitely will not be about fair and balanced writing. That's for sure. Now we're going to skip over that in that same sentence, there's two clauses that are superfluous and basically say the same thing. One thing is for certain, and that's for sure. And we'll just get to the content of it, which is I wrote a column in the Free Press on Sunday, the On Guard column about... Was that superfluous too? No, no, I thought it was oh, setting it up. Okay. It was, I, I kind of went general and I went specific. Um, I write a column and then I said specifically what the column was. And it was purpose to that, but it could have been, could have been a little bit gratuitous. Anyway, I'm glad we're not wasting any time on such uh, mundanities. But uh, it <laughs> this talked is what about, people love: the fridge talk. The they like the quotidian stuff. We'll see if Milk Toast sends me five dollars for referencing my column twice in one sentence. But um, but I wrote about how the 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 uh, the concerns about nepotism in Detroit City Hall are alive and well because Mayor, uh, excuse me, not Mayor yet, City Councilman. Alexander, Coleman Alexander Young Jr. has hired his mother as his chief of staff. And after I heard about that and did some more digging, I found out that Clerk Janice Winfrey's son works for the clerk's office. And in the course of doing this reporting, a city council member contacted me and said, hey, I hear you're writing about me. And I said, well, I'm writing about people who hmm. put relatives on the payroll. And I said, well, my daughter works for me. And it turns out that Councilman Angela Whitfield Calloway employs her daughter as her director of communications. All three of these people, as far as we know, are doing a good job, um, are uh, coming to work every day, and are paid a pretty decent salary for the work. None of them, uh, well, let me, let me stick to the city council employees. Ann Ivory Calvert, who's Coleman Young's mother, and uh, Jalen Calloway, who's Angela Whitfield Calloway's daughters, were hired without any other candidates being considered for the jobs. Now, what I wrote in my column is basically that the outrage isn't that these these uh, public officials are hiring their loved ones for good city jobs. It's that there's nothing against it in the city's charter, which is the city's constitution, which we rewrote about 10 years ago because of concerns that Mayor, here we go, Sean, get the bell ready, Kwame Kilpatrick <laughs> had put more than two dozen friends and family on the city payroll. Now, unlike Ann Ivory Calvert and Jalen Calloway, many of these people had no qualifications, had bogus qualifications, and did not do a very good job at the jobs they were hired to do, and they were given significant raises. In fact, uh, when Jim Schaefer and I looked into this back in 2008, I think it was, their pay had increased around 36% at a time when city salaries were being cut and city workers were being laid off. I can't believe you remember that. That's impressive. I did have to go back and take a look. Darn. I wish you hadn't told me that. I just wanted to <laughs> imagine. Honest. It's yeah. called reporting. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us at the Free Press. It's called looking up your own still your own work. I like you like to read your stuff. I like that. I, I like to think of it as looking up Jim's work because my own work I think about all the time. In fact, it's all I think about and I love to talk about it whenever given the opportunity. Thank you. I like the way you're cocking your head to the side. Because well, I know I'm getting into Windsor's. I was like, this is exactly what Sean would say if he was paying complete attention at this very moment. No, I've been paying attention the whole time. That's that's part of the deal. But so the reason why we talk about Jay Ann's uh, feedback 
not only because she gave us feedback and we like to share what our listeners are thinking about, but because the pivot point here is, okay, Mayor Duggan must have some people and you didn't talk about them. Well, my friend, I did look into Mayor Duggan and I did not see any relatives on the payroll. I asked the administration if they'd ever hired any relatives on the payroll. They said no, there being no evidence to support that. I did not report that. But what bothers me about this more than anything else is it seems to be something I encounter a lot is it's okay if people do certain things based on how they look. And if people look a different way, they must be doing bad things but that you're not reporting because of the way they look. And I, I constantly get feedback like this and always wonder, are there people out there who think if you're black, it's okay for you to do things that, you, that are wrong. And if you're white, you're doing things that are wrong and we're not going to report that. And that's why I responded in the response that Sean Hare has there, which is I looked into this and we only report the factual stuff. And, and I, I'm constantly concerned. And I did ask uh, Jay Ann here if, uh, if her problem was who was doing the hiring or that the hiring itself was happening, that it looks like nepotism is being practiced. And I did not get a response to that. And so I guess I'm left to conclude that to Jay Ann and some people, if you look a certain way, you can do whatever the hell you want. And if you don't, then we should put a rocket up your ass. I just think that's crazy. I think you should be judged on your conduct, whatever you look like, whoever you worship, wherever you're from, whether or not you got an accent. And I just think that we have so many problems in this city because we're so hung up on, on race. Not hung up on trying to repair racism, but basically saying, if you report on people doing things they shouldn't have done, then that's racism. By the way, we all have accents, right? Everybody has <laughs> Everybody has an accent. I'm glad you cut right to the heart of the man. Well, no, that, but that's the point. Seriously, that's the point. We all have accents. Okay. You said whether you have an accent or not, but we all have accents. As John F. Kennedy said in his accent, we all breathe the same air. Well, when you, you've been to Dublin, for example, right? When you're in Dublin, you have an accent. So we all have an accent. And I do a little on, dance. It just depends on where we're standing on when the I'm planet. I'm looking for me pot of gold. Right. Do you think nepotism is across the board bad, or do you think that it's just a case-by-case -case basis? So we talked to some experts uh, for this story, and they're all good government experts uh, and uh, ethics experts. And they said, even when you hire a loved one who may be the most qualified, it's still a bad idea because it undermines public confidence because they don't know what those person's qualifications are. They don't know how hard they're working, and they just may assume that you hired them because they're your friend or your loved one. It's not a good look. And therefore, they may yeah, not be giving taxpayers all they're entitled to. Think? But in general, well, I mean, you're not just funny. talking about public service, we, are you? Yeah, just in general. Yeah. I mean, because you hear it a lot with the Nepo babies, and that's a lot of like actors and actresses. And I, I can sort of see both sides of it because Chad Hanks. On, on the one side, those are the the most coveted jobs in in all the world to, to be a movie star. I mean, like that's everybody's dream, and they are born sliding into homes. So I think you can see people getting some res some resentment that that you're taking a spot for somebody else. But then the flip side of it is like, well, you own this studio. And these people, like if it's like Lily Rose Depp or whoever, um, they're going to put asses in the seats. Or like Maya Hawk, you know, it's like Ethan Hawke's and uh, Uma Thurman's daughter looks and sounds like Uma Thurman. She's a great actress. I'm not saying she shouldn't get those opportunities, but I think 
they should be very candid. Like I am very lucky, and I like never forget yeah. it. You want to do it? You want? You just, I think we just want people to acknowledge that. Like, yeah. hey, my position is what is why I have this advantage. But you know, ML, you just mentioned Chet Hanks. Chet so, Hanks. So, Sorry, I say Chad. I yeah. But but look at the Hanks kids, right? Colin Hanks is a pretty good actor. Did he have an advantage because of who his dad is? Most certainly. But he's still a good actor, right? Chet Hanks isn't. You know, but he's still getting gigs, so it kind of it works yeah. both ways. And that's within the same family. Michael Douglas. Yeah. yeah well, great, there's tons. There's tons of examples, actor. and it's it's yeah. a t- it's like a tough it's cancer. They're, where they're better than their parents sometimes right? because you don't want to say Kurt that Douglas they don't good. make good. He art was, but my, yeah. You know, a lot of times they do, and you're not saying that they that their whatever they do doesn't have merit, but it's a tough conversation to have. I think, but that's I think it gets too much attention because everyone's obsessed with celebrity. Celebrity is different, you know, like, like it's all about popularity and it's all about name recognition. But if you're talking about just regular everyday jobs, I think that should be a whole different conversation. Look at, look at family businesses. They get passed well, down but, to but, a family member, to a family member. Some family members are better at running that business than others, but they still have the like, advantage of getting Like the it. Illich companies, There you go. for example. Yeah. But, but here's, yeah. here's the difference with, with public sector jobs, jobs that are, are provided with government money with your tax dollars you need to have people who are delivering value for that money if you're a private business and you put your idiot kid in charge or you make a movie with chet hanks and it bombs yeah you suffer your shareholders suffer there's nobody whose pothole doesn't get filled whose trash doesn't get picked up whose flooded basement doesn't get pumped out whose 911 call doesn't get answered if chet hanks stars in the biggest bomb in hollywood history but when it's in the public sector, you, 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 you really can't. And the other thing is, let's say uh, my, uh, my daughter is answering calls from constituents and they call and say, uh, your dad, the councilman, is doing a lousy job. He doesn't seem to care about my neighborhood. And my kid says, you don't talk to my dad about my dad like that, blah, 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 hangs up on him. That's not serving the public. And, okay. and it's hard for people also who work in that office to say, Boy, I, I need to tell the councilman that uh, that uh, his daughter is doing a lousy job. Who the hell wants to to rat out uh, kin of the boss? It's just but, not going to happen. But back, but back to your column, right? So Coleman Young hires his mom to be the chief of staff. Yes, back to me. What <laughs> what is her background? Does she have a background in working with him and and running his office? I mean, I think you said well, or she he said that we know she worked under a mayor at one point. Sure, sure. Which is how he got That's, here. <laughs> But That's why he she has his name, but she has an extensive resume, which I reference in the column, which yeah. you can find at freep.com. But uh, but yet she's someone who knows her way around. She's been involved in um, she's been involved in public service for most of her life. So you and could I think argue, you'd want you'd want a chief of staff that you're good at working with, which I would assume he's good at just, working with. His it's mom. just how the world works, right? But to Zach's point, it, it really is kind of a look. I don't like it because it looks bad, which is your point, ML and. But I don't even think it looks that bad. On a case by case basis, I mean, if this is, does she get paid? I think you pointed out that she's like sixth um, out of the nine chiefs of staff for city council members. She is not not one of the most handsomely compensated chiefs of staff there. But you could also argue if she's such a great chief of staff, why doesn't somebody else hire her? Sure. When somebody gets into the White House, they bring in, they bring in uh, the Kennedys, right? Well, every every administration does this. You bring in sure. people. Basically, it's the, it comes down to people you know, and that's how the entire world works. It doesn't matter what the business is; it just doesn't. 
you have, we all three have kids in here. They are going to at some point benefit in some way from something we did or we know or somebody we know or whatever. That's just how it works. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just no matter what business it is. We work in the private sector and that's a crucial distinction. When you, no, I get it, but I'm just saying the government works that way too, right? How many politicians get into office and they want their high school buddy in there with them or whatever, or they call somebody that they, they call a family member and say, hey, how about somebody over here? It's all about who you know. And then you got to do it once you get in there, but that's how so much get, it's set up. Get the bell ready. Kilpatrick hired more friends and family yeah. than any mayor, I think, in Detroit history. And he drove the city into bankruptcy. Oh, for sure. So this is it doesn't work all the time. We probably want to avoid, if possible. And you can't tell me that's a fair point. In yeah. a city of almost seven hundred thousand people, that you can't find somebody who's equally qualified to Absolutely. do that job. Absolutely, sure you can. And put another family into a good paying job. The other thing is, in, in Coleman Young's case, he and his mom live in the same home, so this could be another way for the city to basically pay. Coleman Young's bills by paying another relative who shares those bills. Now, Coleman Young told me he pays his, all the bills. And I, I have to say this because uh, it's really important. Coleman Young called me back right away. Janice Winfrey, the city clerk, called me back right away. Angela Whitfield Calloway, the councilman, called me right away. We had good, candid discussions, asked some hard questions. They gave good, reasonable answers. Most people on city council do not call you back because they don't want to answer questions. So these folks should get credit for taking this head on. Janice Winfrey was not required to disclose she hired a relative. She did. Angela Whitfield Calloway, not required to disclose she hired a relative. She's going to. And that's, again, the problem with the policy. It defines only an immediate family member, which is your spouse, a lover, someone who you declare on your taxes, or someone with whom you live. So this nepotism policy is so narrow mm. that basically nobody in your family qualifies as an immediate family member. That's sort of like saying you can have anything you want on the menu as long as it's crackers and cheese. Don't look at the steak. Well, if you're dipping the cracker the in crab dip, then you're. I think you're doing okay. And, and I know you're that you're very interested in bringing Winshuler into the conversation, <laughs> but uh, an Ann Arbor institution. But uh, you Winshuler, Winshuler, you ever had their spreading oh, yeah. cheese, the bar cheese? Oh, oh, oh yeah, my yeah. god! No, I've had their, but I thought Shuler was Jackson, not Ann Arbor. Uh, to me, once you get anywhere near it, that's what I thought. I think Mark's right. You know, sometimes the the the, the son is takes over the bakery and it's better, and sometimes the other son doesn't. Whatever, right? <laughs> it's just that simple. Yeah, but that's that means that that business rises and falls on it. When you're expecting us to provide services to taxpayers and you're using our money to do it, we're the ones who should be getting the value, not the family, not the kid, not some idiot cousin. <laughs> So, excuse me. So we have another feedback that touches on this very oh, we do. topic. Yes. Oh, good. It says. Uh, oh, gross. Sorry. I'm not uh, editing that out. Dear Wait, ML. where's Max Music? We're going to get to it oh. if, if ML's ever done. Oh, no. Sorry. I thought we could, God, we could play sorry, it Max. under this. <coughs> no, I, just wanna hear, I just want to hear him cough and sip more water. This I'm, cough, not, I'm not editing Wait, any just, of that We out. just decided. Yeah, nipple babies are, are evil. This cough and... button is so far away from me. Because <laughs> the person that usually sits there doesn't need it. Let's hear him drink again. It's because they're a podcasting professional. I'm a dilettante. <laughs> so, Max, tell us a little bit about this music. Well, um, it was just something I was messing around with, a little instrumental. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Jimmy Smith. 
It's it, this is interesting segue to the conversation about rap sampling because the song "Root Down" by Beastie Boys sampled oh, yeah. Jimmy Smith, um, and that's from a really good uh, live record. And he's he's sort of like the godfather of the Hammond B3 organ, like the greatest Hammond B3 player ever. And so I was just like, oh, I want to make something kind of in that wheelhouse, just messing around at home. And then Elric asked me, hey, do you got anything? So I sent him like three or four things, and this is the one you guys chose that you liked. Yeah, easily. So this is a this is a Jimmy Smith esque uh, kind of like blues jazz kind of a jam. Actually, I, I thought I asked you to write something specifically for the show, and you just sending some crap you had laying around that's not work yeah hurtful (laughs) wow that's such a special occasion after all no what max has laying around in his musical studio the the, the rolling stones have opened with start me up for every show for like 50 fucking years doesn't mean it's a bad tune no no what what max has laying around you know who the rolling stones are uh, they gather no moss because they're not new wave. So I didn't know if you knew. Uh, I think they Ooh. probably had a new wave. They probably had a new wave phase, just like uh, uh, I'm not making a judgment. Just on the like Stones. Kiss had sort of a disco phase because everybody tries to catch whatever's hot. Everybody had a disco. The Stones had a disco. Well, yeah, they did. Start me up, sort of. I mean, that was at what eighty eighty one. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know who the Stones are. Anyway, Max's scraps are better than most people's masterpieces, so we're glad to have... This is I great, got, by the way. I got to save you. Thank you. ...as our new music bed. And the other new music beds were great, too. But Can we keep the other one, too, though, and do both of them? Yeah, we're going to yeah, use both of them. Different times of the, different times just of the did. show? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure we do that moving forward. Yeah. Well, thank you for... Uh, for laying that down for us. Um, we could skip room 7609. Donna asks, I wanted to share a discussion idea for this week's podcast dovetailing on your very well done Sunday nepotism piece. Do you think the same old, same old Detroit nepotism, the corporate welfare, and all the other rackets fuel the region's brain drain? For as much hype as the comeback gets, Detroit at its core hasn't reformed in any meaningful way. Families and smart college kids are fed up with this shit. And then she cites some statistics that show that Detroit is 52 out of 56 metro Detroit jo- uh, metro job markets and that wallet hubs happiest cities puts Detroit in last place in 182 out of 182 I don't know anything about those statistics but I will say that when you talk about the brain drain these are good paying jobs that somebody could start their career with and they're being kept within a family that already has a good paying job that's funded by taxpayers. And I do think when people say, what course do I have? What path do I have in public service or in my professional career? When they see families gobbling up all the great jobs, that could lead people to say, I'm going to go someplace else. And it just kind of comes down to we thought we we're going to get this problem fixed a decade ago. And clearly the fix was not done. In Enough. fact, you could say the fix is in no okay i guess you 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 could say that but you're you're refusing to say that uh one other piece of feedback before we move on um mark says it would mean so much to me if you could look at my gofundme and donate or what i don't know i don't know who mark is he wants our money if you'd like to support the show however we don't have a GoFundMe page, but we do have a little link on our website that Mark will help you find. Yeah, mlsolodetroit.com. That's the website. Right on there. Donate. Yeah. So uh, 
I don't know what Mark's doing, some greedy bullshit, but but we we'll use your money only for not me for good things. No, not you, Mark. Oh, no, this uh, Mark couldn't be bothered to wear to Soul of Detroit today. Go fund me, Mark. Me? Yeah, you're wearing Drew and Mike. That's just a shirt I put on, dude. It's not like it's <laughs> it's not a uniform. I didn't know I was supposed to have a uniform. Not like it's a special occasion. Watch, yeah. watch it was like my GoFundMe anti nepotism in Detroit something or whatever, and he just threw it in the trash. Oh, oh, there you go. But I bet it's run by his daughter. Yeah, <laughs> what a bunch of bullshit. So it's irony abound. Or son here in the soul of Detroit, or them could be yeah. they them. Yeah, could be they could be using whichever damn bathroom. Like, so I, I mentioned at the top of the show that Trump by now or very soon will be arraigned, and we will not see his mug shot, and that's because the uh, feds have decided that it's not a public record, which is of course wrong but that they don't want to release it. And and whether Trump should be arraigned and all that other stuff, we can talk about that in the future. I don't want to get into that right now, but I do want to talk about this policy that has been practiced here in the Eastern District of Michigan in the U.S. District Court, where the feds who used to release mugshots of people who have been charged with crimes and arraigned or charged, um, formally charged, they don't release them anymore. The Free Press challenged us in court. We did not prevail and I want to tell you why it's such an outrageous policy by the feds, because their concern is that if they give you a picture of someone, it could somehow damage their reputation or have a deleterious effect on them. But if you've been charged with a crime, these are the same feds who put out a statement that says so-and-so is a piece of shit who robbed a nursery school, sold drugs to teenagers, uh, got prescriptions that they weren't entitled to and ripped off Medicaid, says all the most horrible things they can possibly say about them, but they just don't want us to know what they look like. So how, That would be deleterious. That's, what a fantastic word. It, it's, it's so inconsistent. And then, then they will charge people in federal court with violent crimes. That they are, they're, they accuse them, they allege, and of course you're innocent till proven guilty, that you're the leader of a gang, or that you're a dope dealer, or that you're a terrorist. These are the kind of people that they think they're that likely to be found guilty that they've charged them with a crime, because you can't just charge people with a crime because you don't like them. You have to have a reasonable expectation that they will be convicted by a jury of their peers. If you think they're that dangerous that we need to know their name and their age and where they're from... Shouldn't we also be entitled to know what the hell they look like? Because if you're a frigging madman and you're sitting next to me on the bus, it'd be great to know what you look like because I'm probably not going to ask what your name is. So this policy is ridiculous. Right, Sean? Yeah, I agree with you completely. <laughs> Thank God we finally, 200 frigging episodes in, we agree on something. And I know Max is with me. Mark is... Yes, why not? Show him, Jesus. Mark's already preparing for the Drew and Mike yeah. show. He's Although like, let's wrap say, this up. Why, why is the... the print format not stigmatizing but the photographic format somehow is and you can do a you can do a keyword search by name but you can't say show me the ugly guy with a tattoo on his face that says kill yeah if you're gonna arrest somebody you you have to have a reason to do it so if they've fulfilled all of those requirements to arrest somebody then that everyone's always known that's part of the deal but i mean that one guy got like a modeling career out of his mugshot right, yeah, once, so it doesn't always go down bad for the people who, or Frank Sinatra or whoever. That's right, yeah. You know, pick pick well, your poison. And there is that that uh, that website on women in prison who are looking for pen pals. Have you ever seen that mm -hmm. one? There's some 
Yeah, you can get a pen pal in prison, Sean. Okay. Fairly, fairly. So well, he'll, I mean, you love people. You might, so might not reach out to I somebody. And Sean just passes his note to the cell next to him. He doesn't need to go on the web for that. That's true. That's Although, true. Of course, the, he is a the murderer. The backfiring thing could be like your night stalker type scenario where the women are going and marrying him in prison and all that shit because they saw what he looked like. Oh yeah, right. The uh, somebody married uh, somebody married Manson, right? They wanted so, to marry Manson, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, and that Brian Goldbooger guy is getting chicks thrown at him left and right. The guy that killed the four uh, University of Idaho students. Oh wow! And isn't he an incel? So what's the point? Oh my god! I don't know if he's an incel or not. He's just a loser. Okay. okay. And a murderer. And the worst like the criminal ever. What? He's like a loser. He's a loser. He's a Wasn't murderer. he studying criminal justice? Yeah, but he, he drives his car and gets picked up by multiple cameras. He doesn't try to like steal a car or, or take someone else's nope. car. And his phone is like pinging the entire way yeah. there. What a fucking yeah, idiot. I know. And he left DNA behind. I, yeah. And didn't he drive by while they were doing the search of the house? Multiple times. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, come on, dude. I mean, we, we, we really, I, I think Drew should give up this whole podcasting thing and open his murder consultant business. Yeah, watches a lot of true crime. Yeah. I don't know how it pays, but I think there'd be a demand well, for there's that there's an service. ethical issue, too. Oh, really? I would think, yeah. You don't want people murdering people. What are you guys watching before we go? Um, <laughs> you? Oh, no, no. I want to hear the recommendations. Oh, you mean on, on television? TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always, we always get um, recommendations. We do need another 1923 music was pretty good. Yeah, you, did you like that one? Is that a yeah, that's like Harrison Ford, yeah. a it's prequel like the, to yeah. Yellowstone? I actually don't watch Yellowstone. People have told me to, but the, the one of the prequels where Harrison Ford is like the cattle rancher. Well, Harrison is in. I know you and I have talked about Shrinking on Apple TV. I haven't seen Shrinking, but oh, yeah. I love it. It's I think good. It's okay, really, really, the same people that did Ted Lasso, but it's. I think it's way better than Ted Lasso. So 1923. I like Shrinking. That, yeah. What else? I heard Shrinking's good. Shrinking also has Harrison Ford. That's why. That's what made me yeah. think of it. That's what right. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Does it have to be current or could no? It be old? It could be anything. There was a there was one on Amazon Prime. It was just a one off anthology season called Zero Zero Zero. I've seen it. It's fabulous. Oh my god! Yeah, that it's was intense. My yeah, brutal. Oh my god! So, have so, you seen that? What's it about? The drug traffic, uh, cocaine. Yeah, there's sort of three different stories. There's there's an American sort of legitimate business family who underneath it all is a drug dealing family, uh, but they have a lot of political influence. And the father gets killed, and then it's like the 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 kids have to take over the business and figure it out. And they're like, oh my god, dad's this big time drug dealer. Then there's this Italian mafia family, and then there's this like um, South American sort of paramilitary group that takes over for a drug cartel so it's like these three converging stories but it's all about this these drug shipments that are going and in how, between the three worlds how cocaine moves around the planet oh, okay. yeah it's f- fucking great and the, but, the paramilitary part in particular yeah they, the actor they who were, plays the lead for that part oh my mm, god it was brutal i mean yeah, that that show is not for someone who doesn't have a stomach for violence but that, make, well that makes me think of a preview I saw last night for uh, Mafia Mama or something with Tony Collette, where she she finds out her grandfather was the head of the mob and she's inherited the mob or something. It looks that sounds awful. realistic. It looks t- I do love Tony Collette. She's phenomenal. She's yeah. When she goes to some meeting of all the mob bosses and she brings muffins for them or something. I mean, it looks like one of those things where who greenlit this? It just looks terrible. Did you ever see the United States of Terror? On no. Showtime, what a phenomenal! She plays a multi-personality person. I remember, I remember hearing about it. Another new movie that's out there on Apple TV Plus is the movie on Tetris, which sounds weird that you would want oh. anybody would want to see a movie. What? 
Well, that made me think of the movie that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are doing about air. air. About oh, that looks great. It does oh, look it looks good. awful. Great. Oh, yeah. my it God. Looks, no, it looks okay, really you're good. You're outvoted. Three I, to one. I don't want to spend two bad? hours reading it, doing something on No, it looks shoes. great. He's actually got a pretty good track record, too, when he makes movies. Yeah, why do you think it looks bad? Have you seen the I'm trailer? Just, I'm just not interested in, in deifying Michael Jordan anymore. I don't, I don't care think about that's what shoes. it's about. Not what it's about at all. It's about the the salvation of Nike or something. No, it's about the start of Nike for one. But it's yeah. Who's the agent? I can't think of his name. It's Matt about Damon that. Plays him. What's that? The agent Matt Damon plays him. The oh, big fall. Sonny uh, Vaccaro. Oh, this. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Vaccaro. about him and him getting that deal and him, you know, kind of growing what shoe deals well, are. Just now. the beginning of global celebrity. Not too, interested. Right? No, no. It's a cultural. well. Then you wouldn't like the Tetris. One. It's a sociological Definitely look at, at. Yeah, that's okay. A little, little nuance for you. That's okay. The though. Tetris one is about how the U.S. or the USSR is falling apart and everybody's trying to grab whatever money they can. That's too much nuance. Too. And you have this great game that everybody loves playing, but they need the international rights from the Soviet Union. So who holds them and how do they get them? And it's a fascinating story. That I'm interested in. It sent me down a rabbit hole to go, how true is this movie? Because it just seemed like some parts just, there's no way that could possibly be true. Yeah, where they anchor it to some obscure thing. Like, no, this is really, this has geopolitical ramifications. Like, no, it's just a dumb video game. It did. That's the crazy thing. A lot of it seems to be true, um, except there's a car chase in there that didn't happen. And there's another character that's kind of, a bunch of characters together to represent the corrupt government as the USSR is falling. Efficiencies, but so it, to speak. Yeah, but it, I got I was riveted. Taron Edgerton plays um, I like the main character in there, the guy that's trying to get the right. It's a really, really good movie. I hate to say it, but we watched Line of Duty again. Line of Duty. Yeah. What it's is a, that? It's a British... Uh, yeah, it's all you watch. It's all you two watch. show. It's great. <laughs> Actually, I need to cancel my Brit box. I haven't watched anything in about a year. That's that's seventy two dollars. I wish I had back. Yeah, no, Jesus. keep it because there's a lot of good stuff on Brit box. Well, I I just price. watched. I'm rewatching Justified because I love Walton Goggins, who is the star of the show. I don't care what anybody says. Aren't they rebooting that? I think there's talk about doing another season because Timmy Oliphant uh, bought the rights or something like that, but. Uh, and I watched the first episode of Succession, which I've not seen that. We I was underwhelmed by, but that show I love that show because I hate everybody on that show. It's the only show I watch where I don't cheer for anybody, and I still feel good at the end hmm. because I think they're all so vile that if I liked any of them, it would say something about me. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what we watched. I don't Gentleman talk about Jack, enough about good. myself as it is. That's an HBO series, I think. Is it about? Whiskey we, or no, no, it's uh, about a lesbian in the 1820s in England. It's actually, yeah, it's terrific. What about uh, Peaky Blinders? We haven't seen the final still season. Of that. Up on that, yeah. yeah, we got to catch up on that anyway. Still, so now you have things to do, Sean. You happy? Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's so going thank on? You. What's going on with Carlos and Sean uh, celebrating their 72nd episode? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. No, we're doing great. We're probably going to get into the free agency and the Lions and how they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. Oh, boy, no, we're not. I don't know. We'll do whatever Mark says. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Wow. All right. Tough. Riveting. Tough place. Well, we appreciate you sticking with us for 200 episodes. We hope you'll be with us for at least one more, and that'll be next week. We uh, are trying to, to tie down a pretty good guest. We've been here, Here's who we're trying to get, just so you know, if you're, if you're planning ahead. Thank you. We're trying to get a hold of a, uh, a woman who grew up on the east side who's been playing professional basketball in Egypt. I don't know whether she's been talking shit or not, but we'll find out. We've been trying to book a drag queen. Hopefully, we'll be able to get uh, get uh, them locked in soon. 
Uh, Chief Craig, we continue to talk to Chief Craig and try and get him on the show because he has a lot to say about where the Republican Party is going. And we want to ask him about where he's going because he still is a very viable candidate and has some interesting insights. And there's all kinds of other fascinating people we want to bring with you. And there's always always chance that we'll just have a good old jaw jack amongst ourselves. So, there you go. So we, we're pleased to have you with us every week. Please stick with us. You can find out what we're up to at Elric on Twitter. You can follow on Facebook, M-L-E-L-R-I-C-K. That's just M-L Elric. And please, whatever you do, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Soul of Detroit. Subscribe, like, hit the bell for alerts so you know when we go live. And until next week, we turn to Cyrus for the 200th time to say, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Sure and be with us again next week when ML Elric says it was a hunt through a jungle of city streets with danger waiting at every intersection until halfway through when the hunters became the hunted and death brought an end to the game. <laughs>